Do you want me to go get more manioc? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. Is that all right? Yeah, I'm gonna go with you. We're gonna go. I can go really quick. Why? Do we need three people to go? I'd like to go just to see where you're going and what you're doing in case, you know. We don't go oh, in now. case what? We don't go on. I'll get. I'll get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lisa said <laughs> she wanted to know where the maniac was just in case I wasn't around. And I just found that quite interesting. Kind of like a oops. Did that really just come out your mouth? <laughs> That's pretty funny, Lisa. You want to go that. with me just in case I'm not here for yeah. you to go get That's funny. That's what she just said to me. That's not what I said. Mm -hmm. I said just in case. Somebody needs to go get it. Right. I think Lisa's so sneaky. I don't trust her. I watch. Watching is the best way to figure it out, and I don't really love what I see when I watch her. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Stanuatu, a Survivor Vanuatu rewatch podcast brought to you by the Bitter Durers Network for the Survivor offseason. As always, I'm your host, Christine Palin. And again, as a reminder, this is a spoiler-free podcast, which means we will not be spoiling what happens at the end of Vanuatu or anything that comes up later. But me and my guests might make references to other seasons of Survivor. So um, we'll try to make note of those as they come up. But it, always check the episode you know, descriptions before you listen if you haven't seen all the seasons. So you can know if we happen to mention something you haven't seen yet. So again, with that out of the way, we're back. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's one of my favorite pre-merge boots ever. And so I'm just so excited. We're talking about Hogtide. Um, so right after the swap. This aired on uh, October 21st, 2004, and I'm joined by two very lovely guests, two dear, dear friends, um, who, as far as I know, haven't done much, if any, Survivor podcasting before, so this will be really fun. Um, so I'm joined by, my, I'll do their bios and then let them hop on and say hello, by my friends Mitchell Wilson and Dio. Um, so Mitchell Wilson is an English literature PhD student from New York City. He's also a two-time Skate Viber player, um, which was the org I hosted with among other people, our other ho guest, Dio, um, on Discord. So yeah, Mitchell played twice. And he's also a supporter of both the rights and wrongs of women who play Survivor. And my second guest, Tio, is a mediocre derby player and shady government employee in Richmond, Virginia, host of Skate Viber and Lydia Morales enthusiast. Welcome, Mitchell and Dio. Hi, Christine. <laughs> so yeah, um, I... I know your general relationships with Survivor, but still, like our, a lot of our listeners probably do not. Um, so could, if, if you could each, whoever wants to go first, um, just give a brief overview of how you got into the show, um, your, you know, what your entry points were, you know, your, your relationship with it and your thoughts and feelings on Vanuatu as spoiler free as you can. So yeah, whoever wants to jump on. Um, so I remember watching Survivor growing up a lot. Um, I actually was really into it where like my dog's name was Heidi, um, after Heidi from Survivor Amazon. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I wrote a story about dogs where one of them was named Amber because I had a really big crush on Amber too. And I have pictures of me like at the Great Wall of China with my little Boston Rob hat on, um, even though I do not watch sports and never have watched sports. And we also used to like, we lived on compounds cause we like moved around overseas. And so like, I used to go outside in my backyard and we would like literally tear down the forest to like build stuff. And if you got voted out, you had to go home. So I was like super into Survivor as a kid. And then I fell off and then my girlfriend Graham and I started pick, like picked it up. We watched a couple seasons and then like, I didn't watch it again until Christine was 
talking about Survivor a bunch. And I was like, oh, sure, yeah, I used to love that. And so now here I am, like, having dedicated the last, like, two years of my life to being weirdly into it. How about you, Mitchell? Um, So I also started watching Survivor when I was really young. I think I must have been, I can remember, like, my first episode of Survivor I ever saw was, like, in the pre, uh, pre, sorry, middle um, jury stage of Pearl Islands. So I watched that and then All Stars um, when I was like seven or eight years old. Um, And then strangely, when I was a child, skipped Vanuatu. I have a vague memory of like the premiere episode and like watching them fumble around in the woods in the dark and being like, this isn't interesting. And then picking it up again with Palau and like watching pretty regularly through like the seasons in the teens. Um, But yeah, I like fell off when I started college, which was around the time of like the second fans versus favorites, I think. And then only picked it up again in 2019 when I moved to New York city. And I started with Micronesia, which was like the one season in the teens that I somehow missed when it was airing originally. And um, watching Micronesia and then talking about how I liked um, two Vanuatu returnees on that season on Twitter is how I think Christine interacted with me. I watched Vanuatu originally at Christine's recommendation. I did um, not remember that. Good for me. <laughs> so that's interesting that you had skipped it. I mean, because this is also one that I don't have a really a big memory of from my childhood. I definitely, like, did not like Survivor All-Stars' Endgame. I was a really big um, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien <laughs> and fan. So I think that I really resented Boston, Rob, and Amber. Um, and that made it difficult for me to enjoy Survivor for um, six months, I guess. I knew you were a Sheehan girl. I knew you were. <laughs> Wait, I feel like the polar opposite. That was like, I was all about Boston Rob and Amber. And obviously now I'm like grown and different, but <laughs> that was it for me. And I know I did not watch Vanuatu as a kid because my like memories of Survivor are purely off of like the beautiful women on each season. So I know I would have remembered Vanuatu. Yeah, I really wish that I hadn't missed it because I think that like it's a much more dynamic season than I think a lot of the survivor fandom in an aggregate sense gives it credit for. So I'm glad that you're even like doing this podcast so that you can um, reclaim it as the golden season that it is. This swap phase of Vanuatu might be like the best swap phase of any survivor season I've Mm -hmm. seen. And that's like maybe like 27 or 28 seasons. So that's not an insignificant, uh, an insignificant praise to give, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, let's let's fucking get into it because, like, I really liked the last episode. Like, I mean, the the Bubba Rip Bubba, uh, he was hashtag feminist for Bubba, but he he walked into a situation he was not going to walk out of, and uh, we followed up this that episode with Lisa getting executed even more brutally than Bubba was. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like I said, this episode aired on October 21st, 2004, and we are coming right out of that tribal. So Rory basically has just found out. Amy was like at tribal, like, you know what, Bubba, we weren't going to vote you out. We were going to vote Rory out first. So fuck you. (laughs) And Rory is like, not happy about that. And he decides he's going to like play up his anger. He's going to choose a strategy of like seeming really upset. 
to like guilt the women into keeping him. And then we get Scout telling Rory he's sitting, she says in confessional, he's sitting on his pity pot and that he needs to wipe his ass and get over it. Have any of you, have either of you ever heard this phrase before? Never my whole life, but Scout astounds me with like her empathy and gentleness. <laughs> like The phrase pity pot actually does sound familiar to me, but I have like a strangely Southern, quasi-Southern upbringing. I feel like it's something that like, my grandmother who was born in like like Appalachian, North Carolina, like might have said at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm obsessed with uh, I'm obsessed with Rory's idea of strategy here because like I feel like it's some revisionist history because this is something that I have definitely like done when I've played orgs when I like I'm left out of a vote or something. I'm gonna like, oh, I'm like not actually upset, but um, I'm like fully having a meltdown in people's DMs and like will later claim that that was a strategy when in fact it absolutely was not. So um, I am coming to Rory's uh, confessional there with a bit of skepticism. I don't know. It kind of reminded me like Survivor 42's like spoilers, but Rory really walked so that Marianne could run because he was like, I'm going to emotionally manipulate these people. I really, I loved it. I thought it was so funny. I also thought like the things he said were so funny. Like when he was really passive aggressively messing with the fire and he was like, well, apparently I need to stay warm. I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, it's just he's, Rory is just, we, I've just, we've been talking about again and again, like every episode, how much we love Rory. And this is like, he was the perfect per- character on the season from the men's tribe to end up in this situation. Because like, I mean, imagine like if Sarge ended up in this situation, Sarge would have just been like unpleasant. But like- Sarge would have been assassinated immediately. <laughs> But like Rory, like oh, he's he's so funny and like he like he really is kind of like operating on spite at this point. Like just like I'm going to do whatever I can to stay. But like he's also making some good pitches. We'll we'll, we'll jump over to Love Heavy in a minute because we chronologically we, we go to Love Heavy. We'll stay at you, sir, because they like they in the next morning they're like you know. Rory, he like apologizes for the horrible things he said in his mind. Did I hear that right? Why, why would you flag to your tribe mates that blindsided, or not blindsided you, but like are in the clear majority that you like dislike them? Like, I love like, he gave me a whiplash because I thought he was going to be like, I'm so sorry for the horrible things I said. So then they could all be like, oh my God, Rory, no, like you weren't bad at all. But he was like, but in my mind. <laughs> But then he makes a really good pitch. Um, like again, like we he's like funny here, but like he's making the right pitch of like he's like, I can't go back to Lip Heavy now because they're gonna automatically assume I sold Bubba down the river. Um, like they're gonna no one's gonna trust trust me. So just like keep me and I'm I'm kind of like have no choice but to be stuck with you. Which is like as good, I think as good of a pitch he could make here in this position. Can you remind me, is like is Rory depicted as being as of yet aware that he rubs Lepevy's? Yeah, he is. Wrong way, okay. Because like that's one thing where I'm always like, I think that he has a great deal more self awareness than people often give him credit for. I can remember like I was much more hostile to Rory's game the first time I watched Vanuatu. This watching this episode was like the third time I had seen this episode. I've watched it. Vanuatu in whole twice before 
and each time Rory has grown on me more, I think. Yeah, for, I thought it was really a different approach because, again, this is mostly just from orgs, but you would think that like the pitch would kind of be like, oh, if you vote me off and you voted Bubba off, then you're sending the message that you just want to pick all the men off. You're not interested in working with anyone. So for him to frame it more of like, I don't have any options versus like, you won't have any options or like you're going to seem very closed off was different than I would have thought. And he like gives it's this this great big speech and it's just like some really funny editing in this episode of like hard cuts to people in confessional. We'll get to one later with Lisa that I think is hilarious. Um, but Rory, like it's a hard cut to this confessional being like, that was so cheesy. Like they're never going to buy that, but I hope they do. Um, and so I, I just love that Rory's like, in the shittiest position imaginable but like he's still like trying to have fun with it and like he's obviously upset about being in this position but he's it's it's he's it's fun to watch him on the bottom and like make it out of this episode um and do it and he makes it out of this episode not really because of anything he did but it's just a funny little <laughs> little storyline we're getting with him like so cheerful in this episode i think this is like the happiest we see him all season. and to be fair like i do realize he's a man but like if i had just been on a tribe of entirely men i would be over the moon nothing could get me down if i was <laughs> finally fucking free of that prison like <laughs> that's like such a good point i think i think a lot about like how I think you talked about this on the episode that Gio is on as well about like the ways that being the only person of a certain minoritized identity on a tribe like must affect your psyche. Like I, I mean, it's obviously a little bit different. Like, uh, but like I as a gay guy could not imagine being on this men's tribe and being the best version of myself. Like, there's just no way that I would not be. Um, acting out or like having trouble regulating emotion or doing any of these things that um, are so-called like the ways that you're supposed to act or behave on Survivor. I think that like identity in this season really comes to the fore in interesting ways because the casting is so imbalanced along racial lines um, in, in all of the ways that early Survivor is problematically imbalanced along racial lines. Rory, he's just such a, such a fun character and, and, it's fun to see him kind of turn in. He's, he is an underdog, but he wasn't so much framed as that on La Pebby. But now that he's here on Yusur, it's like narratively that we're able to like push him. Like he was like, even though he was on the, in the majority on La Pebby, just based on like the odds that were against him and the way he was being targeted from the get go, he was an underdog, but now we really get to see him fully in that character, in that role. Um, and it's, you know, having him as an underdog and, you know, Amy is our, you know, mm-hmm. Queen Pin uh, is just perfect. <laughs> so we do have to jump back to La Pevy, uh before we get to the challenge. So we kind of did all the Yasser stuff before the pre- reward challenge. And um, Sarge is like, I'm so happy to have women around. Not that we need them or anything. <laughs> Sarge cracks me up. He is just so like, I feel like he is somehow at the same time, like, very passionate about women in a way I relate to, but also manages to be like so misogynistic some in his in the way he talks about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sends me every time. Sarge is the like I think that he has some funny moments in this episode particularly, but he is far away far and away the a character on Vanuatu I just like personally revile the most like I cannot imagine spending any amount of time with this man 
<laughs> no, no, no. Like, it's just, it's good that this swap has seemingly kind of, like, pushed him out of, like, like, literally running the camp like it's, like, a military academy. Um, but it's, like, he's kind of, like, he's a little more relaxing. They're winning all these rewards. It's, this is kind of, like, Sarge on his best behavior for me, where he's, like, not, like, barking orders on everyone. And he's just being a little weird about the women. Like, relatively harmless, except he's pretty horny for Julie. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I can't imagine being Julie and being, like, with Twyla, who has always kind of been, like, a, you know, like, a source of friction. And she can kind of be, like, a hard lady. And then mm-hmm. just, like, a bunch of other men, including this older dude who just keeps being like, oh, I had a sexy dream about you last night. I would feel like, I feel like I'm in hell. Give me out. <laughs> yeah. I, the the whole, like, the whole swap LePevy situation is so weird. I, I just, just echo a lot of what you've said. Like, I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but, like, Sarge even makes this comment about Twyla later in the episode about, like, uh, he would put her in a dress and take her out to dinner because she's a lady, which like is a kind of funny thing to say. And I laughed during the episode, but if you sit with that and think about it, like Twyla is this very like tomboyish, like outdoors woman type person. And it's like, I don't know. Did you even like stop to think about the fact that she might not enjoy that? Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just this, such this like chauvinistic thing about him that drives me utterly insane. Mm Mm-hmm. No, like we'll get yeah, we'll get to that. Just that line has always really rubbed me the wrong way as well. Um, like kind of like, oh, Twyla is great. Like we could be best friends, but because she's a woman, I would also like to take her on a date. <laughs> like, like no, if you guys are best friends, you could you could just be best friends. Like you don't have to think about like, putting her in a dress. <laughs> Ridiculous. Twyla <laughs> is also one of my favorite characters from Survivor ever. She like reminds me of like these like late 30s early 40s aged women that I used to wait tables with who are just kind of like tough as nails and will tell you like precisely what they're thinking all of the time and something about Twyla as a person like feels very comforting to me which is not something that makes a lot of sense um from an outsider's perspective I think but I yeah I'm here for it no, it's so true. Like, I'm a real Twyla head. Like, if you are a Twyla head, make some noise. I love that woman. She's so funny. And, like, I know exactly what you mean because, like, I used to live in Appalachia, too. And, like, I feel like there are there are people like that who, like, are, are not nice. But, like, you don't have to be nice to be a good person or be there if, like, people need help or whatever. Like, you can be super abrasive and still just fucking rule. And that's definitely Twyla. I'm a Twyla head as well. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I also love Julie. I also love seeing how Julie navigates this situation. And we'll get to it, you know, after later in the episode. But like, you know, and like seeing them kind of pair up here being like, we never talked on OG or sir, but guess we have to now. I am obsessed with an unlikely swap duo. Mm-hmm. And this is like such a fun, odd couple. Um, because they really do assimilate with the men in very different ways. But we'll get to that more later mm-hmm. on. <laughs> with the, the buttocks of it all. so we get this reward challenge which is such a good reward challenge they had done one similar to this with goats in africa um i had to check that i couldn't remember but now i'm thinking back i remember um so this is they have to like race through a muddy pig pen and retrieve pigs according to their tribe colors and then whoever brings back 10 pigs wins steak and eggs 
Um, so Lepevi is like gooped and gagged that Bubba got voted out because I try a camp. They're like trying to figure out who got voted out. They're like anyone but Bubba. Like they're like maybe Eliza. Like maybe like you know it's gonna be Rory. <laughs> it's like no, it's Bubba. Literally, that mixed with like when they reveal that it's steak and eggs, and Sarge just goes like, like he just yells. I can relate to that. <laughs> That's the only moment in which I've ever related to Sarge because I am obsessed with breakfast food. Like steak and eggs, fucks. It's so good. Uh, my other notes on this challenge. I'm obsessed with there being pig gatekeepers. I know that's literally what gatekeeping is, is like keeping the gate. But like, I know this is like, Jeff's like, who's going to be the gatekeeper? The pig gatekeeper are the people who say no cops at Pride. <laughs> I, I do not know why this function was there. Like, I don't, was this like a last minute thought? They were like, maybe it's unethical for us to send a woman who had a knee replacement before this season into a pit of mud. Um, like, that seems like a liability issue. Although I'm sure they have to sign waivers and shit. But mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, I, I think that, that I, I struggle to imagine why they were like at the drawing board being like, someone needs to open and close the door. Just one person. Because it, it's like, once the pigs are in there, they aren't like really trying to get out. They're just kind of like all huddled in a corner, um, if I remember correctly. So... I love that Scout got to be a gate, the pig gatekeeper. I was kind of hoping Amy would be the gatekeeper because she loves to gatekeep, you know, um, coconuts and then now manioc. But it makes sense. That's why we have Scout doing it. Um, I also made note of Amy shushing the pig. She's like talking to the pig. I made a note about that too because I thought it was so cute. <laughs> I I fully missed her shushing the pig, but there's so many good editing choices in this challenge. Like, this is the silliest challenge, I think, that they've had on Survivor up until this point. The one thing that I noted was, from this challenge, was there's a point where Twyla goes to catch a pig, and they, like, edit horror movie music over her catching a pig. It's like, you know, like, the violin sound effect that they do in, like, Psycho? They give her, like, that before she catches this pig. It's iconic. Uh, like, just all the pigs screeching. It's so funny. I Like, I hope the pigs weren't too distressed. Like, obviously, like I'm like, I, I'm like, I hope they were okay. But like, this, the noise is so crazy. There was, like, one pig. It was actually, I remember because I was like, I feel like this would be me. One, I think I would be Eliza and, like, not catch a pig. But two, if I did, like, the way that Lisa was, like, not supporting its butt at all. And so it was just, like, hanging and it was screaming. And then when I was done screaming, it just, like, turned its head to the side and looked, like, out into the distance so traumatized. (laughs) That image stuck with me. (laughs) I feel like they're so dramatic. Jeff just says, Lisa's got a big pig. And I think that that's like, <laughs> I feel like if Twitter existed when Vanuatu came out, like that would be a hashtag, like hashtag Lisa's got a big pig. Oh, we're getting that hashtag going. Hashtag Lisa's got a pig, big pig. Let's get it trending. We've done it once before. <laughs> hashtag Lisa's got a big pig. We didn't notable... get it trending, but it's okay. <laughs> My other like notable person in this was actually Sarge because before he like caught that last pig he just cornered it and he didn't like go for it he stood there and he was like trying to like sweet talk it he was like hey yeah hey yeah pig <laughs> like he wasn't going for it at all he was trying to like coax it into his arms <laughs> yeah I feel so bad for Eliza here 
uh, like this is like my like greatest fear of like doing Survivor is like doing a, being in a challenge and being the one person who can't do it. Like also Leanne later, um, mm-hmm. like that is just like would be so, I would be crying. <laughs> Both of these things really reminded me of the way that um, in Survivor forty one Tiffany's. Uh, the episode where Tiffany's like on the balance beam or whatever, mm-hmm. and they like make it such a big editing moment. It really reminded me of that. They love to do this thing that really tells you who is the precise reason they lost this challenge. I, I have to wonder if there's some kind of like calculus that they do to make it seem like they've taken like a pause or that they take longer than they actually do. Like, was Leanne really sitting there for like as long as they make it seem, or did she stop for like 30 seconds to catch her mm-hmm. breath? I don't know. But I also feel like they were really harsh. Every like everything about this with Eliza feels really harsh because I feel like what's the trade off, right? She keeps trying, she's not able to do it, and she wastes more and more and more time. Yeah. If she like calls it like it is, doesn't bother going out again when she knows she's just going to cost them time. Like, I feel like she made the right call in terms of what she knew she was capable of. No, yeah, I like. We'll get to it in a second. Yeah, like I just think it's like so unfair to like someone like sometimes you just can't do a challenge. Like it's not like they talk about like she's like, a great character defect. Like I can't believe she couldn't catch a pig. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't catch a pig either. I am also like, and Eliza is amazing at challenges. Truther, like any <laughs> puzzle, she like does it so quickly, and she's I think like. I listened to interviews where she's talked about doing puzzles and things before as like part of her um, like major like contributions to challenges. And I think that that's like actually like a really valuable skill set and no one seems to care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she is really undersold in that respect. Um, like there's a, isn't there one challenge a few episodes ago where they have to like line up a puzzle and she mm-hmm. like a caller for it and they figure yeah. it out quickly. Like, yeah. People have such short memories when it comes to these things or like what does and doesn't count as challenge strength, I feel like is really gendered and um, always filtered through this like notion of physical size or like muscle mass instead of thinking about smarts. Yeah, and it was for reward. Like I know it was important, like a big reward, but it's like it was catching pigs for a reward. And I get get it. Like when you're out there, like emotions run high and you look for any reason to like be mad at someone. But it was like, it's it's very unfair because yeah, we Lepevi gets a big lead as a result of Eliza not being able to like you know get one quickly. But it's not like we see other people kind of struggle a bit. Like it compounds on top of Eliza not being able to get the pig. But Lepevi wins, um, and Sarge is like the you can tell he's so happy he gets to like grill some steak. You know that's a guy who's missed grilling, um, <laughs> you know, and the Pevy is just like going on and on. They like can't believe like gosh, I can't believe she gave up like. Like, it's like the, it's not that she like, it's not even that she couldn't get a pick. Everyone's just like so incensed that she gave up at which, while we said like that was a smart thing to do. I just like, I, I do not want to hear from Mr. Chris. Like (laughs) he did not give up on that balance beam, but like he may as well have. Right. (laughs) And like he cost his team that challenge, but nobody's still sitting there like, oh, Chris, you and that balance beam, like leave her alone. (laughs) Yeah, it's unfair. We we stand Eliza. 
I sound like a lot of people on this season. Um, but uh, so yeah, Love Heavy's just like, we got our steak. Eliza sucks. And then we cut to Yasser. And the vibes are also not great there. And Leanne has this really funny line in her confessional where she says, it would have been nice to win the pig challenge. Like, I don't know why she says it like that. Like, why would like <laughs> why that why i don't know i could not like parse like why she says it like why she, with that emphasis that's like the other thing about this whole um like being really mad at eliza thing that doesn't make sense to me or she's a weak challenge performer accusations like how many more challenges are you gonna have to catch pigs in like <laughs> that's eliza's only weakness uh, in challenges she's fucking fine like <laughs> leave her alone <laughs> I love the idea that like Leanne was getting ready for Survivor and she was like rubbing her hands together like oh my god imagine if they had a pig challenge like I am gonna eat there's no way my team is losing and then she lost like this is what she was waiting for this is why she applied. (laughs) This is why we haven't been getting many Leanne confessionals because they're like all just heard talking like I hope there's a pig challenge and they're like no there's no. They're like, oh, we can't really use this this episode like it doesn't really make sense why she's talking about this. Can I, I just need to, I need to backpedal and draw attention to this funny Sarge moment from before. (laughs) Sarge does like a hang 10 thing with his hands and then is like, this is better than sex when they're eating steak and eggs. And I like. (laughs) Does he say that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. He does. Yeah. Like I am not starving on an island and I saw those steaks and I was like, yo, that looks good as fuck. Like I got hungry. So I would have been, he literally did this exact thing. And after talking about like how horny he is for Julie the whole time, it was unforgettable. It is just like, I don't know. He, he defies expectation in many ways is maybe the best way of saying what I think about him. Um <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I did not make note of that. I think I tried to block that out. I was like, that did not happen. He did not say those words. He did not utter that three-letter word. Well, Mitchell will never let you forget it. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> Christine, no, this is this is the headline of the episode. <laughs> so yeah, like, I was like, begging you, sir. Rory's like, I am not getting voted out before Eliza. He's like, this is my life's mission. I will not be voted out before her. And then Eliza like apologizes to everyone. She feels so bad. I mean, this is kind of like when they lost the um, the second in the second episode. Eliza's really upset after they lose the immunity challenge in the dolly boot, and Lisa's like, "Oh my god, no, it's okay, no worries, like it happens." And then we get this hard cut to Lisa and confessional saying, "I'm aggravated. She's why we lost." <laughs> I feel like. This was so funny because, like, I know that I'm the same way, like, when I play online where, like, if someone messes up to their face, I'm like, oh, my God, seriously, don't even worry about it. It happens to the best of us. And then I'll go and be like, oh, my God, this is so annoying. And so, like, then for Amy to be the only one to be like, look, Eliza, you're making a lot of excuses. You messed up. And that's okay. And for, like, Eliza to take it really well, I'm like, maybe that's the approach. Yeah, I think that... Everyone likes to kind of infantilize Eliza a little bit. I think she's one of the youngest people to have played at this point. Mm-hmm. She's certainly she might be the youngest on I think she is the youngest on the season. She's the youngest on the season and one of the few 21-year-olds who had played at this point. Yeah, I think that like people 
and she does display some immaturity at certain points as 21 year olds do but like on balance i think she responds very well to her alliance members being kind of direct with her um and there's something to be said for that um and i think that like amy just straight up telling her that like you need to stop making excuses i think resonates with her and um feels much less frustrating than certain women on the cast taking umbrage with every little thing she says or does yeah amy this is where amy comes out it's like i i i think her and eliza have like kind of like an older sister younger sister dynamics at times and this is one where this really comes out of just like Eliza, like, in this real feeling very, very distressed. Like, when Eliza's like, crying and says, I'm not used to being bad at things, that's something that, like, I think really resonates with me as, like, somebody who's, like, really good in school and, like, very much, like, a perfectionist and, like, I do not take, like, failure well. And so, like, I can imagine for Eliza, who's, like, a very clearly, like, high-achieving and, like, smart and, like, um, ambitious to, like be like feel like she's let everyone down because she couldn't catch a pig which is not a skill that matters <laughs> like in this moment it feels like the end of the world like i i she's in real distress and i just love the way that amy responds to her like you said like with maturity and like recognizing her like as a mature adult and and hearing what she's feeling but like being like we're just gonna move forward like you could have done it and you didn't which is true like eliza could have got a pig but she just didn't and i just like it's such a amy's so direct to the point, like, sometimes comically so, as we see her telling Lisa to her face she's going to vote her out. Um, but also in, like, really empathetic ways. Uh, just be, I'm just going to be real with you. Like, I'm not going to talk shit behind your back. You, like, you messed up, and that's okay. I was going to say, I think that even when Amy is, like, being dishonest, it's almost, like, through her directness that she is dishonest. Like, she, she plays up her dishonesty by, like, wrapping it in this veneer of, like, I'm going to be really real with you. Like, that's what the whole... Um, Bubba, you weren't even going to go home thing felt like mm-hmm. to me. Like it's always in this like strange confrontational um confrontational way that she like approaches even things like deceit. Um and I think that's really interesting about her. Um I don't know if there's much more to unpack there, but I think that it makes her really unique in terms of her um like social play. Yeah, for me I was gonna say like I always I find her edit really interesting because I think Amy is famously known for being like the ice queen. But I think that she's really balanced. She's really balanced between being the way that she is later in this episode and still being like very kind, supportive, wise, especially to the younger girls, where like she really gives a lot of that emotional support and like notably like female friendship and love that is like so special. But at the same time, she can be super cutthroat. So I think it's cool because she's like, I think she would, if she were on like a hero or like hero or villain, she might be more of a villain, but like, she's just got all of this, like, I think the edit is like surprisingly fair to her in showing Mm -hmm. both sides of that. I was kind of surprised when people like talk about her as a villain of this season, because I feel, I don't know that that feels totally like correct to me. I mean, I think that like, Without spoiling, I think that you could make the case that various people wear the villain hat at various times in this season. But I don't know that, like, if you had to be like, so-and-so is the villain of the season, I don't know that I would say it was Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Amy, even just at this point, like, we're we're only a few episodes in, like, just in this very episode, as you mentioned, you know, like, like, she can be like this here and, like, 
it's like totally later in the episode go from like one to one degree to another like amy is just like one of the most like complex characters uh survivor has ever had i would go that far um in in just the degree of like she's she like like you said she can wear the villain hat like she did last episode with bubba and here with lisa later on but like she you can't just flat out describe her as a villain like she's just more too complex for that like archetype to just be like like in this very episode like how like this conversation is so human and like so empathetic and not something you see on survivor much at all so yeah rory feels like he's like i found my crack to like break up the women like it's gonna be eliza and it's just Jumping ahead, I love this boot so much because at this point we're being set up, okay, it's Rory versus Eliza. And then there's like a hint of maybe Scout because like Eliza's like, I want Scout gone because like she's a challenge liability. And then after the immunity challenge, you might be like, oh, is Leanne going to go for completely like fucking up the immunity challenge? You're like the only person's name who's not Amy, who was like so safe here, who didn't come up was Lisa. (laughs) and just so like the fact that this is like rory's like i've got my crack it's eliza and then it just ends up being lisa going out of spite it's just so funny it's such a like there's no hint that lisa's going to go at this point in the episode absolutely none (laughs) yeah lisa is kind of iconic i mean you talked about really loving her backup plan (laughs) a few episodes ago Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I just want to say that um, I've watched Vanuatu twice, once on my own and then once with my boyfriend when I got him into Survivor. And I don't know what it is about him, but his favorite characters are always like Christian women over 40. Um, And Lisa is no exception. I'm guessing the other Lisa is also a favorite. He hasn't seen um, Philippines yet. Okay. Um, But um i've we've talked about it with sam stanish and we anticipate mm-hmm. that liam will really like her when we get around to it uh so yeah we do have to talk about Le Pe- i keep forgetting lapevi exists because <laughs> they like they had i was like just they just had their steak and eggs but of course we can't miss um the uh famous uh buttocks scene so we get like a cut to commercial and then we come back from commercial and the first line after we come back from commercial is julie saying i'd like to tan my ass Literally, like, earlier in this episode, I was like, man, I don't remember, like, the first time I watched it, I don't remember Chad getting such a purple edit. Like, (laughs) you just don't see him. And literally, the only confessional from him in this entire episode is him just being, like, extremely horny, (laughs) which is so funny. (laughs) Chad is, like, weirdly, Chad weirdly might be my favorite man on this tribe, and I really don't, maybe it's because he's so hidden, but, like, when I have like tried to put myself like, you know, how would I navigate this uh, awful tribe as a gay guy? Chad is always the one person where I'm like, he might be my like inroad. And I don't know if that's because he's like a teacher or, or what, but for whatever reason, he is like the one I like seem to think would be the most accommodating. I don't know why. (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting because I think that like, Christine has mentioned we've talked a lot about like how other Rory is obviously for being the only person of color like on this entire season well the only black person on this season I'm sorry um but like Chad is I don't know if they've had other people with like disabilities similar to his before Um, he was the first amputee 
Yeah. So I think he's very other in that sense. And I think it's really interesting. They just, I guess maybe besides the first episode, everyone was just like, okay, whatever. Forgot about it. But like, I'm sure that his experience was also very different. You know, you're so right. And I think that, I think it's one of the younger men who's already been voted out, who says Mm -hmm. something about like the pity vote or something for him if he makes it to the end, which is just so utterly offensive. Like, I just, yeah, it's hard to stomach like that particular kind of talk about things like that um, in early Survivor. Yeah, very just like vapid stuff for them to say. But it is very funny that like, while it is not funny that Chad has just denied like a proper storyline at all, it is very funny that the only thing he says is like, oh, it's so nice to have some sexy ladies around. <laughs> yeah, so Julie like just like tanning her ban a- bare ass and says, I like flirting. I flirt all day long. <laughs> and and so she, Julie's like, the only way I'm going to make it out of this tribe is if... Because Julie clocks, she's like, Twyla's going to be close to these men. It's already, I see it happening. She knows Twyla's up to something. Um, she's like, I need to do something to, you know, she's obviously going to rely on Twyla's connection to them, but she's like, also like needs to do something on her own. And she's like, well, I'm the only like young woman on this tribe. Um, it's like, it's very, I like that she takes that in stride of like, this is, I'm just going to like do what I can to like, uh, you know, make these men want to keep me around and you know it work. it seemingly is working because like like they're all like the men are turning to like like cartoon like like yeah. like eyes popping out of their head a wooga like <laughs> literally yeah. that scene was just so weird between like between that happening and them like putting their hands to block the sun for a better view and then like twyla's in the background like laying on sarge's stomach <laughs> which was so weird to me too Yeah, like, one really gets the sense that, like, I don't know. I think that Julie, especially in the pre-merge up to this point, has been really undersold as, like, a strategic thinker. Like, you kind of see her failing to lead her half of Yasser in the first couple of episodes. But I really enjoy this, the confessional where she talks about um, understanding Twyla's relationship to the men because you actually get to see her strategic mind at work, I think. And she is, I think, playing the flirt card in a creative way, because I think the men really are underestimating her strategic capability um, by virtue of that. And um, good for her. I support it. <laughs> no, yeah, like, it's this is a funny scene. It's it's like, I also think, I love that she was, she clearly gave production exactly what they were hoping for on a men versus women season with this, this kind of swap. They're like, finally, like, horniness. Like, we, this is what we were, like, wanted on the Amazon. Yeah. Like, um, but, like, she's using it strategically. And, and I just, this is a funny scene, even if I don't like the some of the men's reactions but um i guess this is where we get sarge talking about how twyla could be his best friend and they would go to a beer in the race and but he would also put a dress on her which we've already discussed we don't need to hash that out again unless we have any other sarge notes (laughs) just like i mean i'm a fucking like literature phd student like if you close read that (laughs) sentence like i want to put a dress on her like the, (laughs) the way that sentence is structured like is so misogynist. Like I'm going to like foist this on her. Mm. Um, and it, 
it bugs the fuck out of me. Um, and yeah, I just um, resent that Sarge talks about people in this way um, a lot. <laughs> I love that it's like I get to see the live Mitchell Sarge takedown session. <laughs> like, get his ass. <laughs> No, yeah, like, but it it's, he does conclude that he will, he tells Twyla, like, I will keep you safe over John Kay. Like, he's basically like, fuck John Kay. Like, friendship ended with John Kay. I mean, they never really had a friendship to begin with. But it's just like, we've heard like very little from John Kay since the swap other than him being like, yay, I'm away from some of the men. <laughs> like, but like, he is, I don't think John Kay realizes what's happening we get we get none of his perspective on this really on like the the makeup of the tribe at this point i like there's just so much happening that he i don't think he's aware of at this point you know he's just a humble mechanical bull operator from southern (laughs) california (laughs) i feel like he has to know a little bit i don't remember what they were saying but at one point they're all like sitting around the fire and sarge is just like as usual just complimenting twyla and there's like a quick cut of like John, he's like lounging like the Teen Wolf man he is like in front of the fire, but he kind of like looks between them that I will like have to, I have to think to a certain state, like to a certain level, he has to know how close like Sergeant Twyla are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's even like really superficial points of commonality between Twyla and the men. Um, like she and Chris have functionally the same career, right? Mm-hmm. Like. She was always going to fit in well with these people. So I don't know. We, John Kay is kind of made invisible here. But I don't know, like, what his strategic thinking was. Because you don't see him try to, like, maneuver with Julie, even, the other young person mm-hmm. on this tribe. Which, like, age seems to be the biggest divider uh, on this season, by and large. Both on the men's tribe and on the women's original tribe, right? So... It's puzzling, um, and I don't know that we will ever understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, John Kay, like, he did his little bit of strategizing when he got to go over to the women's tribe and divided them into two, and he was like, my work here is done. I'm just gonna... But she didn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. Literally, he didn't do anything. Jeff thought it was brilliant, <laughs> that young <Well>. John. <laughs> I respectfully disagree. <laughs> yeah, I, like... I think that you guys said it well in your podcast episode about the double tribal where he like, yeah, I guess it's like the most inoffensive thing you could conceivably do, but then he doesn't take advantage of it and try to make inroads with any of the women on the swap tribe either. Mm -hmm. So like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Like as as far as we could see, again, we're seeing an edited product. uh, Like, you know, maybe there were conversations we're not seeing, but it's the story we're being told of La Pepe 2.0 is that John K is like just vibing and like not really doing too much. Um, so we have our muni challenge um, and this is a classic, you know, we've got platforms in the water, you have obstacle course with pieces of like a tiki and then you have to go like above and below things and then assemble the tiki at the end. Um, so Yasser falls behind pretty early and then Rory catches up and bridges the gap and things get dead even again, as Jeff loves to say, dead even. Um, and then uh, Leanne really struggles. The water's a little rough and she like cannot get past the halfway mark in the, the course. And then LePevy wins, like they lap her and LePevy wins and it's kind of ends up being kind of a blowout. I was worried about her. <laughs> I was like, is Miss Mama's like, 
is she gonna make it out of this like i feel like you can't blame her for this also because this really does seem like it's more to do with the conditions of the water than her actual athleticism in a meaningful way like that water was really choppy and i don't know swimming in the ocean is fundamentally different than swimming in like a pool or something so i yeah for me it's kind of a wash like it feels much more to do with um the conditions in the water than anything to do with like her actual challenge performance to me anyway. And I think if I'm not, if if I'm not remembering incorrectly, like the waves were first hitting the side that she was on. So like, I almost wonder if that would have provided a kind of buffer to the men's side. Mm. Um, That's my conspiracy theory anyway. It was rigged. As soon as they, like, explained the challenge, I was like, this seems fucking awful. This seems so horrible to have to do. And then, like, also the way I think, like, from the start, the way that Yasser kind of set it up was interesting, where, like, obviously Leanne was the stopping point, but they had just all complained about, like, how frustrating, like, Eliza was with the fucking pigs, and then they put her last, which could be, like, the make-or-break kind of position. Maybe that was a setup. (laughs) 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 it was the eliza takedown plot i just like (laughs) on top of that like who else was on the puzzle with scout Scout yeah was it scout and rory rory swam in the course yeah rory ate this up like for real but so it wasn't it must have been lisa yeah i think it must have been lisa so they didn't even put Eliza on the puzzle, which, as Michelle's noted, she's really good at. So I feel like they were setting themselves up to, like, lose this anyway. And maybe that's part, like, I would almost wonder, because Bubba has, like, is the only person who, like, really tosses around the idea of throwing challenges, right? But, like, I almost wonder if there's, like, some kind of unstated understanding that they need to protect Scout and Twyla that just doesn't get talked about. I don't know why the edit would hide that, though, if it did happen. Hmm. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, they seem pretty. I mean, they all seem pretty. Like, I mean, like this. Obviously, they lose if they were like not concerned about going to tribal. They they lose because Leanne gets stuck. You know, like, and that was definitely not planned. Um, but they they seemingly have an easy vote in Rory here. Um, you know, we get back to, to camp and Leanne, but Leanne feels really bad. We're, we're finally getting some like Leanne content that isn't just like her just kind of like generally commentating on the game or there being an earthquake. You know, we get to see like, some some emotions from her. She's gotten a pretty quiet story so far. And I love Eliza comforting Leanne in the same way Amy comforted her. Like it's it's really sweet. It's it's um it's Eliza. She's like, I've been there. Like, I know exactly how this feels. And the scout comes over and says, can you get over it? How long does it take you to get over it? Isn't scout like a motivational speaker on the side too? <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, she is. You can book her. Oh my God. I love the idea of like, you get, you get her for people who are really going through something. And she's like, um, I think you just get over it. I love the concept of that asking so... someone who's like crying like how long it takes you to get over it. Just like Scout's entire like role in this whole like post thing is so funny. Between this and then like the Bible thing, she kills me. 
Like Lisa gets so mad at Amy. She's like, I'll never do that again. I'll never swear on my God's name again. Amy didn't make you do it. Scout did. Like, I I don't know what's going on here. Um, But I think that like, (laughs) there is something just so funny about the way that Scout antagonizes people in this season where it's kind of like that Southern grandma feeling where like, um, it's always said in like a really nice kind of tone, um, but actually might be the most condescending thing you've ever heard. Like that very like bless your heart sort of thing um, is For sure. God's delivery to many, many things. <laughs> yeah. So like we, we have Leanne like feeling really bad. And then in this fateful, fateful moment, Amy's like, I'm going to get some more manioc, which is like kind of like the root, I think, that they're eating. Um, and Lisa's like, oh, like, can I go with you? And Amy's like, I doesn't know why. And Lisa's like, well, like, just in case. And Amy takes that to mean that Lisa, like, is planning for, like, what they're going to do if they vote Amy out. She takes this to mean that, like, Lisa's, like, imminently going to turn on her. And like it's 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 game over. It, this is like one of the like I'm obsessed with this vote because it's like probably like one of the pettiest votes like in Survivor history. It's literally like Lisa would not have gone home here if she had not said that. Do you okay? Like I have to. I really do want to pull the room. Like, mm-hmm. do you believe that this was like a Freudian slip on Lisa's part, or do you think that this was like a like like what's the, if this was her backup plan? What is the just in case here? Like, is it like just in case you're not around? But like, even just in case you're not around, like has like this kind of weighted thing to it. I don't know. I really like, look, I, while I like absolutely am obsessed with um, Amy taking it the way she did, I really think it was just a miscommunication. Like I figure like maybe Amy's asleep and they want to get me. Maybe she goes and takes it as like is in the water and they want to get it. You know what I mean? Like it's a just in case more than one person should know where this is. <laughs> yeah. That I don't think she had some like super secret plan. I think it really is just like a comedy of errors. It really reminds me like I've been watching Love Island UK and like somebody will say the slightest thing and they'll be like, what the fuck you just say to me? Like, and then they just blow it out of proportion, even if it's the smallest thing. Yeah, I I don't I really don't think Lisa meant anything by this. I truly think it was like like Lisa we we do get a little like build up to this with the last episode about the coconuts. Like Lisa's like interested in just like people knowing how to like have food. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy is very against that idea. Amy's like, no, like I will control the resources. Um so I truly think it's just an extension of that of like Lisa being like, Oh, like I don't know where the manioc is. It would be good to know where that is in case like something's up with Amy. Like or like it's oh god, it's so funny. Like Amy just gets so mad and like it's just like I can't believe this. Like I cannot trust Lisa. She's a snake. And then Scout and Amy and Lisa are like standing together. And Scout tells Amy, she's like, Well, I'm voting Eliza. And Amy just says, hmm, and says, Well, I want to vote Lisa out. Like to Lisa's face, like turns to Lisa and being like, I didn't like what you said to me earlier, so I'm gonna vote you out. And I think what's so fun about Amy is that, like, she knows that she has the numbers to swing this. Mm -hmm. Like, 
and is just not afraid to do it. Like you just don't see this in contemporary Survivor because of um, advantages and things. But like these moments are absolute gold. I love them. It really makes me wonder too, like that's like just part of why Eliza's name doesn't come up. Is so many people are like so eager to please Amy that they will do whatever, even if it's boat out somebody who has been with like Scout from the start, right? I mean, Scout did not vote for Lisa, but like they are more willing to vote for Rory, even though they're all like, oh, we need Rory, we need his strength, we need whatever, that they are willing to like turn on him because Amy won't vote for Eliza. The, um, the edits, like handling of how Lisa fits into the tribe is also really interesting to me too, because we've seen her in a few episodes prior, like initially vote in the minority with the young women uh, on the Dolly vote and then swing to vote out Mia with the older women on the subsequent tribal that the women go to, right? Um, I feel like it's really unclear, like what individuals she is connected with. Mm. There's hints that she and Scout are sort of close, but I don't really think that that's explored a whole lot. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we have to be told that it exists and we're not really shown it. Yeah, Lisa's story is kind of like all over the place. Like she's so such a non-entity the first two episodes and then she has her breakout episode with the plan and we're left in the dark about a lot of that. And like, you know, in going to this swap, yeah, it's like really not clear until now how Amy like feels about Lisa or even Leanne. Like we have, we get very little like, concrete like game talk out of Leanne at this point and like it's we're told this episode that like Scout like Scout's like I can't vote Lisa out like Lisa's like my best friend like like you know like she like to the point where she won't even write her name down even though she knows she's going like there's just like a lot I love Lisa's edit it's really funny to me but we it does like make us miss out on a bit of this story um in terms of why she goes here and like you know why Scout is so resistant to like voting her out even though she knows it's happening i don't know but i also am a lisa fan i just think the <laughs> delivery is so funny i think that like i love a i love a like i don't want to say two-faced because that sounds really harsh but i love her like two personalities it's very like lizzie mcguire where like to their face she's like amy no i would never do anything like that and then her confessional she's like i'm so sick of amy i want her ass out of here right now <laughs> like, <laughs> God, in the Bible, I had completely forgot about swearing in the Bible of a scout holding out her empty hands and saying, here's a Bible. And then, like, Amy gets the heat for it. But, like, <laughs> scout was the one who suggested that. I, I have no idea what was happening there. I, I like, re- religion in, like, early Survivor is really, and in Survivor in general, I think, is, like, a really interesting thing. Like, the, the seriousness which with many of these players take the things that they are swearing on and maybe this is like just me being like very secularized but i'm like you swore on like a woman in her early 60s hands like what <laughs> yeah exactly i think it would be very different like if it were an actual bible like yeah you don't want to swear on that but like it literally is just scout <laughs> God, no, this whole this whole segment, like you said, Dio, is like a comedy of error. This is like so funny. It's just like from the whole maniac thing to this like really weird hostile confrontation. Like, 
And then we go to Rory talking to Scout and being like, well, I want Eliza gone. And Scout's like, honey, that's not happening. <laughs> like, she's like, Scout's like, listen, I wanted Eliza out from day one and it's not happening. <laughs> like, like we, other things are happening. And then Amy goes up to Rory and it's like, Rory, I was never going to vote for you. Amy's so fake here. She's like, we're best friends. Like, like, and I, I do think like Amy likes Rory on like a personal level. Like, I don't think this is a personal thing with Rory necessarily. I just, but it's so fake. Like, it's just like, she would snap Rory's, Rory's neck. And like, unless like, because if, if it wasn't Lisa, it was going to be Rory. Like, she was not going to vote out Liza. Like, it, it was still going to be Rory until Lisa said that. So then Rory, this leads Rory to think he has like done some like great maneuvering to stay. And he's like, I found my crack. But it's like, the only reason he doesn't go here is because Lisa just says the wrong thing. It's just so funny because like, yeah, Rory does succeed. He's an underdog here, but it's like for, it's just because you serve such a mess. It's like really not any, his speech doesn't really do anything to sway this vote in one direction. I don't think it really has more to do with just Amy being pissed and being like, fuck Lisa, she's a snake. <laughs> but I also love like, I feel like Amy deserves an Oscar because she did that face thing, but like he clearly bought it because the second she walked away, he was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And like, I have to feel like she had to have heard that. Right. She was probably walking away being like, got him. Yeah. I like, I do, I do think that there are other reasons to think Lisa is snaky and worth taking out that are, be that go beyond the Maniac thing. Right. Like, she and Eliza are the only people who have like waffled between alliances thus far. And I think that that kind of um, inconsistency in behavior is like not the worst reason in the world to want to vote somebody out. Even if like the professed reason is this slip of the tongue over the maniac. I think. Mm -hmm. um, and Eliza's made it pretty clear at this point that she is down to kind of just shadow Amy um, a little bit. It seems like her and Leanne are both like locked in tight with Amy here without question. Mm -hmm. No, like, I think, I, I do think there was definitely like more to it than just the maniac thing. I think the maniac was just like kind of set Amy off on this particular day, but like, it does also make sense to be a little wary about Lisa where it's like, like Rory, you know, there's like a chance he'd go back with the men, but like, you have reason to believe he won't like, Lisa, uh, Le Leanne and Eliza at this point have very little reason to flip. Whereas Lisa, um, she is just, I, I like we, the thing about, I love the Mia vote, but there's just so much left out about Lisa's backup plan, what kind of communication she did at that vote, like who knew what was happening where. Um, and we don't really get a lot of like input from like people like Amy about that, but that had to like, make even if you're on the right side of that it's like okay like lisa was acted pretty impulsively there and just kind of like flipped on her alliance like they like really worked eliza to get her flip to flip in the at the dolly boot but it kind of seems from what we see lisa just decided to do that <laughs> yeah and i don't i don't know what that is like was that some of like the unseen scout social maneuvering like did scout get lisa to flip for that mm -hmm. vote? me out um and i guess we just can't know Mm -hmm. Which is the thing that really sucks. Mm -hmm. um, at, the, at least, Lisa, if you're listening, give us the tea. <laughs> on Twitter. But I, I, don't, I don't think she is, but got to get her on the pod. What were you going to say, Dio? Uh, I do love the idea, though. Like, it kind of feels, it, I feel like it just becomes like, it was clear on original Yasser, but then it just like, 
is still this underlying feeling of like there are two mafia bosses here and they are both lesbians. <laughs> like, you are two lesbians and they are both lesbians. Like I just love like it feels like there's always this constant power struggle between like what Scout wants and what Amy wants. And like Amy has been like winning, 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 winning that like I don't know. I just I think it's interesting. What what is this editing choice though to like not show the two queer women on the tribe like talking about the fact they are in relationships with women to one another because like this must have happened like um, I can't imagine it not and then I, they, I don't think it's actually shown like it's it's not actually like revealed in the arc of like the show we are being like shown on TV right like yeah I don't know I would just be curious to hear your thoughts on that it's my understanding I Amy mentions this in the pride has spoken it wasn't really something they talked about much um and i th- scout did talking with t-bird and i i don't remember what scout said about this but i i also think that maybe came up but like amy really s- in that interview seemed to say that it wasn't like a huge topic of conversation um yeah i mean i'm sure it's just like we're not gonna get conversations that we get now right like in 42 with like hi and romeo i feel like that would have been a really sweet moment but like i can definitely understand and a bad way that like in the early 2000s like they're gonna prioritize like this like men versus women and old versus young and not really want to take the time to be like hey we actually did get two queer like two lesbians on this show how do they feel about like I feel like that's more just something especially with like half of their viewers being so conservative they're not gonna like really bring to the forefront Mm -hmm. it is just a bummer though because I have um had conversations with some of my boyfriend's friends who are uh, who are queer, um, non-binary folks and like remember Vanuatu and like remember seeing Amy as an out woman on television and like it being meaningful for them. So I like am bummed that it's like not depicted as more of a thing. And I think it's interesting the way that it seems to, at least in the cut of the show, be a little bit more buried than, say, like, Richard How- Richard Hatch being an out gay man on the mm-hmm. first of the show, right? Um, or, like, who's another good example? Like, Brandon on Survivor Africa. Africa, yeah. Um, I think that it's, I don't know. It, it strikes me as weird, and I don't know if it's because they're queer women versus queer men that there might be something going on there as well. Yeah, it's certainly because I mean I didn't think about that. Like there had been, you know, again very few like queer people, queer people in general in Survivor. Survivor, but when you think about the queer men who had been on, like it was commented on, like in the edit, almost every single case. Like, um, you know, John from Marquesas, this comes up. Richard Hatch obviously comes up. Brandon, like you said, comes up um, in Africa. Um, so there is. It is interesting that it's a source of conflict, at least um, when I- queer men are on the show. The turn of phrase that John uses on Marquesas is to Rob and says, don't out me. And yet they leave it in the cut of the show. Mm-hmm. Like That's utterly insane to me that they would do that when he clearly does not want it to be revealed. Yeah, this is a really unformed thought, but I wonder if it kind of has to do with the fact that it's like a men versus women season, right? Where it's like, 
they really want to heighten those tensions of like the differences between men and women. And if like you're sexually attracted to someone on the other side, then how is that going to impact your gameplay? And so the idea of there being like two lesbians on the women tribe where that's not going to ever be like a, like a clashing point with the men for them. I don't know. I don't know if that's going anywhere, but like, I don't know. I could see like, I feel like often there are like these ideas of like queer people being predatory. So the idea of them being with like all women, is that something that they want to highlight or I don't know. It's interesting to think about though. No, I think you might've cracked the code actually. I think the like, I think that there is something to like queer people really throw a wrench in the idea of men versus women as like an impactful or meaningful theme to have. I mean, at least when you think about it in a more, um, expansive, like if you think about gender in a more expansive way than the binary that Vanuatu's tribe divisions enforce, like I think that anything that threatens to disrupt that might throw off the gimmick that they're trying to use. I think that's like an astute analysis for sure. But they should show it. They show it. Yes, show show us, me. Release the tapes. Show us the gay. Show us the gay Release cut. Release the cut. <laughs> Oh yeah, so gosh, what where were we? oh we're talking about the Scout Amy relationship? That's what we were talking about, like the yes. the, the the two like kind of like warring like leaders of the women tribe, the women's tribe, like my um, island of the idols. Yes, <laughs> oh my god, I wish <laughs> I need it. That would just be like the the like. Be, could you imagine like showing up and like like scout is just like kind of like subtly insulting you and amy's like you know you fucked up the challenge but you know you can do better <laughs> like like at that point like scout's like in her 80s <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. i can't it's believe like, she should have played again like yes that's, like <laughs> scout and amy are on my survivor mount rushmore <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, Amy does win out in this in this battle, as you mentioned. Like, your know, scout really wants um, Eliza to go, but that's not what's gonna, what's gonna happen. So we we get a tribal. Jeff is basically just like, "You guys suck," and Scout says, "It's just how it is." <laughs> um, and there's a lot of talk about loyalty and trust, and Amy's like, "I'm voting based on loyalty," and. Um, Scout and and Lisa both vote for Rory, continuing the trend of Rory get catching votes at every single tribal he attends. Um, and Scout votes Rory. She's basically like, "This isn't a vote against you. I just think they're doing my best friend in the world, Lisa. Apparently, <laughs> my, they're doing my best friend in the world, Lisa's really dirty, and I can't vote her out." And Amy just holds up her Lisa vote and doesn't say anything. Like she's like, "You know, <laughs> like you know what you did." <laughs> And uh, yeah, Amy, Amy uh, Lisa's voted out for too. Um, this, I mean, the tribal council itself isn't super interesting, but I just love basically Jeff's words before they go back to camp. Is basically, is feminism over? Good night, head back to camp. Because basically, he's like last episode, you guys said you were a tribe of women of like strong women who are united, and now you're not. Like, <laughs> I yeah, this is such a fun episode. I like. The one thing that I had written down for this tribal, besides the stuff that you've talked about, was there's a fun exchange between Rory and Eliza about mm. trust. And Eliza says something to the effect of like, I think that everyone who I've told that they have my trust believes that they have my trust and trusts me. And then Rory's just like, well, she hasn't said that to me, Jeff. 
this really goofy moment. And then she turns to him and kind of like very superficially says, you can trust me. And <laughs> laugh. I love Eliza. She's one of my favorite people who's ever played Survivor. That moment was so funny. And then also I love like while Amy doesn't say a word, she does put a flower on like next to Lisa's name because man, she buried her. <laughs> she's pushing up roses. Yeah. That and Lisa's like dramatic turn back and being like true to my word. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> what an exit. Oh, what an exit. I'm so I'm so sad Lisa goes here. I mean, I love the like Hate to see her leave, love to watch her go. Um, because I'm like, love to watch her walk away. <laughs> no, because it's like so, like, she's such a fun, weird character, like, pretty much character. Um, and I'm sad we lose her here, but it's such a funny ex, it's such a funny way to get voted out. Um, just I love Lisa and the Maniac, and yeah, her final words too. She's basically just like, I was voted off because there were a few women whom I tried to be trustworthy with, particularly Amy, and they cannot trust me for whatever reason. I don't know. But she definitely had some uh, power over the other women. And so they voted me out. And that's the way it is. But um, I believe it was totally unfair. So, I mean, it was unfair. Like, she was kind of like, <laughs> like, it is like the what the reason there she's given for being voted out is pretty unfair. I think Lisa's right to be pretty upset about the way she got voted out. <laughs> she's better than me. I would be crying mad, <laughs> like literally crying mad. I would never, I would never even say the word maniac again. <laughs> like, strangely, this tribal really reminds me. And I'm sorry to Amy. I'm like about to compare her to Russell Hans. <laughs> there is this, there is this crime. Book moment in survivor heroes versus villains it remind this boot really reminds me of danielle's boot in heroes versus villains mm, yes where, like, russell like invents the situation and it is like the sole reason that danielle gets voted out and she like did nothing like she mm -hmm. like literally was just hanging out um and i feel like that's kind of what happens to lisa here where um it's maybe less calculated on amy's part um but uh she glommed onto a thing that uh, that Lisa said in the same way and just it snowballed, which is <laughs> the most frustrating way to like see any of these eliminations happen um, and to get voted out. I feel like it's happened to me in an org before, probably. I've definitely done that to someone in an org <laughs> where I just made up some shit and got everyone really mad at them and then they got voted out and I felt really bad about it afterwards. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I do like the idea while I like don't like the the comparison of Russell Hans, I like the idea that he has like a notebook of like favorite survivor moments and he's like the maniac. <laughs> yeah, I think that like we were really robbed of like if Amy is a villain, I think that she would have been a really fun addition to heroes versus villains. Like mm -hmm. if Stephanie is a hero, like but I don't know. Like Amy makes more sense as a villain than several of the villains, I think. Um, and I would, I would love to watch Amy and Russell Hans interact. I would pay much. <laughs> yes. Oh, she, oh, she would end him. <laughs> <laughs> the brain worms. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's someone who has been ended by Amy. Do we have any uh, final words, last thoughts on on Lisa before we say bye bye to her? Lisa, you will always be famous. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I, I'm sorry you didn't have another backup plan. <laughs> yeah, her backup plans really couldn't help her here. <laughs> she should have saved her backup plan for when she really needed it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that is the wrap up on Hogtide. Do we have any other notes, any thoughts on this episode? I mean, I think we all agree this was a really fun one. Um, no, uh, I was just so excited when you were like, do you want to do the Maniac episode? I was like, there's little I want to do more in my life. (laughs) The fact that we came to this episode independent of each other is really funny too. It's not like Dio and I were together like, let's do the Maniac episode. Like (laughs) I requested it. Christine had a separate conversation with Dio about it. Like it, it's so good. We got the girls together to talk about the Maniac. (laughs) I know I wanted to like this is I love this episode so much I wanted to have some fun guests on people I like knew and felt comfortable with talking about and this just worked out so perfectly um yeah so rip Lisa bye-bye um she's hanging out with Bubba (laughs) (laughs) you know with Bubba Ponderosa god wait like who's what's the vibes this Ponderosa is so weird like, oh my god oh my god soft launch of hell (laughs) like Brooke and Dolly John P. Brady, Mia, <laughs> um, yeah, Baba, and now Lisa. <laughs> like, what did they talk about? <laughs> I bet, I bet Mia and Lisa got into it. There's like no way they didn't. I bet Mia oh, was pissed Lord. when Lisa showed up. <laughs> yeah, I like. I have to wonder, like, that I, to be a fly on the wall at that Ponderosa, like. Um, I have to wonder like what they like imagined these women to be like, because all of the younger men like never interacted with the women's tribe in any like social capacity except for John Kay. Um, and I don't know, they seemed to like, I feel like how Dolly is like kind of belies her like, I don't know, they call her Barbie, right? Like they have like all of these preconceived notions about her, but she's actually just kind of like, a wistful shepherdess. <laughs> like, do you, like, do you think that like the broier like members of the men's tribe were like really thrown when she was like a sheep farmer or something? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like they had to have been like surprised and that might've been funny. I mean, I know about it and I'm still surprised. <laughs> She's just like, like little Bo Peep, but for real. In real life. <laughs> Lil Bo Peep but for real. <laughs> what <laughs> doesn't there something in her bio about her being like in the NRA or, or like an NRA like supporter? Yeah, like, yeah like, no. I think she's like pretty right. Which makes sense, but oh right, little Bo Peep. Oh my god. Can you imagine her like calling people sheeple? She's a shepherd. <laughs> Maybe they need her to lead them. <laughs> I feel like we've just like headcanoned Dolly as this like right wing cult leader. Or something. She is Q. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should, we should find this episode so long. We were like the, the Lisa and the Maniac of it all, and now yeah, we've decided Dolly's Q. Anyway. <laughs> This was so fun. Um, both of you, where can people find you on social media? 
plug whatever you want to plug related to you. And then also, in honor of Amy on The Pride Has Spoken, please plug something akin to growing a garden, something kind of nice and chill um, that is not like typically a plug someone would give. So whoever wants to go first. Um, you can find me at mtchll underscore 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 on Twitter, or you might have an easier time searching Jessica Fletcher's gay nephew, um, where I tweet about, um, I don't know, mostly as of late, like anime and selfies and survivor. Um, my healthy habit or my self-care habit that I will plug is like kind of boring, but I think that getting some form of like physical exercise is a real worthwhile endeavor, especially when we're like staying at home and not able to go out and do as much as we can by virtue of like COVID being a thing. Um, I found weightlifting to be like a really incredible coping mechanism for me over the last like 18 months. Um, But like doing anything outside, like going for a walk, getting to know your neighborhood in a meaningful way, like all of those things, I think, are really um, useful in terms of taking care of yourself. That's really cute. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Dioslamdo. Um, and I, I don't really have much to offer, really. I don't really do anything else. I just hang out, like, in my house with my girlfriend. But if I were to plug a healthy habit, it would be, like, pick up a hobby that you are just okay at. Like, I play roller derby, and I'm not terribly good at it. And I've really been, like, having this Jimmy Neutron brain blast about, like, just like Eliza, I always want to be the best at everything, but I'm really coming in terms with like, especially when it comes to something like sports, like I'm not very good at that, but like, I don't have to be, I'm 28 and I'm not going to play this professionally. I'm not going to do it professionally. I just do it for fun. I like to like get hit around by my friends on skates. And so everyone should find something like if it's cross stitching or it's gardening or it's weight level, like whatever you're doing, just like be bad at it and be at peace with that. Nice. I like that. I, yeah, I relate too much to the not wanting to be bad at things. I think I would really hate that at first, but I think that would be very long-term healing. (laughs) So yeah, you can find me at xteen underscore files on Twitter. You can read my writing on Inside Survivor. You can follow the podcast at stanawatu.pod. Listen to my other podcast, The Shadow Play Gaze. We're kind of taking a summer break, but we'll be doing some more stuff whenever Derek and I have time. Listen to other stuff in the Bitter Jurors Network, like the Bitter Jurors main feed. You know, they're covering Legend of Korra again this summer. You can listen to Survivor Otter Creek um, and watch Survivor Otter Creek on YouTube as the episodes come out. And then my little self-care thing is I just moved into a new apartment and I found like getting my like bookshelf organized was really soothing. Um, so, you know, like, I think just like reorganizing your books or whatever you collect, like it just like was very grounding and like, and like you can you know change you know do it by color or am I gonna do it by genre like it's just fun to change things up every once in a while and like just yeah I found that very soothing so yeah organize your bookshelf that's <laughs> um, my um, micro garden so again Mitchell and Dio thank you so much we will be back well I will be back next week <laughs> with anger threats tears and coffee um to talk about the next episode of survivor vanuatu episode seven um so yeah i will see you next week and again in the eternal words of lisa bye bye <laughs>